Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Joe Person from The Athletic Carolina on all things NFL playoffs and Carolina Panthers. That's in 30 minutes. Joining us now, a voice we hear every year during March Madness for CBS Sports and Turner Sports. A voice we hear all season long on ACC basketball. Now with the ACC Network, among others. Dan Bonner, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? I'm fine. How are you guys? I'm doing really well. The ACC has averaged eight NCAA tournament teams over these last four seasons, and it just doesn't feel like that is very likely right now. At, at Duke, Florida State, and Louisville, uh, are they the only three teams that you see as having NCAA-worthy resumes as we speak? Well, first of all, you don't have NCAA-worthy resumes now. Uh, that's the whole point of the thing. You're not, uh, uh, you know, we're not worried about that now. You're worried about how you get there. And I think that other than those three schools, you have to take a look at the metrics that are used to decide that now. And the main one being that NCAA evaluation tool. Now there's tons of others out there. Ken Palm and Sagarin and yeah. I even read something. There's something called Torvik, whatever the heck that is. <laughs> uh, but there's 9,000 of those. But just for the sake of argument, look at the NET ranking. And with the exception of those three teams, Louisville, Florida State, and Duke, that there's nobody who jumps off the page at. Virginia Tech has that non-conference win over Michigan State, and they've won a couple of games recently, so they're climbing. North Carolina State is, you know, they, they've got a decent one. It's probably not NCAA tournament worthy just yet, but if they keep winning games, it will be. But other than those teams, it looks really bleak right now. The problem that you have is since nobody other than those top three teams really distinguished themselves in the non-conference portion of the season, now they're playing one another. And if they beat up on one another and everybody ends up about 50-50, then that's not going to work. Somebody's got to separate themselves, and somebody's got to get a win or two against the top three. So it doesn't look good right at the moment. I don't know how much you watch national college hoops compared to your focus on the ACC at this time of year, but Duke is the highest in the rankings. The Devils are number three in the latest polls. How do you make sense, Dan, of Duke's place compared to other national contenders where even the Devils have on the plus side great wins like Kansas and Michigan State and Georgetown, uh, but losing at home to Stephen F. Austin, and then just losing this week uh, at the Clemson Tigers. It just seems weird that these things go together on the same resume, and yet Duke is not alone in that regard this year. No, they're not alone in that regard this year, and I think that's the key thing to consider. It, it may be odd in a normal year, but I don't think this is a normal year. So I think the Stephen F. Austin thing, I, you know, I just don't get too excited about that. I know they lost the game, but they missed 16 free throws, and all they had to do was make one of those, and we would be talking about what a close game that was. And regardless of what Clemson's net ranking is, regardless of what their RPI is, regardless of what their Ken Palm is, any ACC team, particularly when they're playing at home, is capable of beating any other ACC team. Uh, and so that's always been the case. I mean, Duke played at Georgia Tech, and Georgia Tech had a wide-open three in transition that they missed, and then they had a layup close to the basket that they missed in key parts of at the end of that game. And if they both make both of those shots, then, then Duke loses at Georgia Tech. So even though it looks the conference looks pretty spread out in terms of the net, I think it's pretty evenly matched when teams are playing at home. I just don't think that – I mean, that's, that's 
a normal part of the year. So I, I, that doesn't really uh, strike me as strange at all. You have covered Roy Williams' teams for a long time, and he has taken either Kansas or UNC to 29 of the last 30 NCAA tournaments. You know the story this year. With Cole Anthony healthy, they actually beat an Oregon team that has spent some time in the national top 10. Uh, without Cole Anthony, they have fallen all the way to 8-8 eight and 1-4 eight and and in the ACC, and Roy Williams sounds as despondent as I've ever heard him. Uh, what do you make of the Heels' chances to make of something of this year with Cole Anthony expected to return to the lineup at least soon? I think if Cole Anthony returns to the lineup soon, I think that really helps North Carolina. I'm not sure that they haven't dug themselves a hole that's a little too deep for them to get out, even with Cole Anthony, because they, they lost some games with Cole Anthony. And, you know, Cole Anthony is a very good player, but what we saw from him at least in the early part of the season, is that he is a high-volume shooter and that North Carolina is going to have to run a lot of things for him so he can get a lot of shots, and if he's going to make them, then North Carolina has a chance to win. Uh, if he's not, all on Notre Dame. If he's not going to make them, then North Carolina uh, doesn't have a very good chance to win a la Virginia. And so I think that it's a mistake to hang your hat on the fact that if Cole Anthony comes back, North Carolina is going to start winning all their games. I don't think that's true. And I think possibly the Tar Heels, again, based on all the metrics that are used now for the NCAA tournament, it takes into account what you do all season long. If they get hot in the month of February, that's not going to take away what has happened to them so far. So I think possibly the Tar Heels, even if they get Cole Anthony back soon, might be in a little bit too deep a hole. Is Vernon Carey Jr. the best college basketball you've seen this season, even though it's only his freshman year? He's a very good college basketball player. I think we, we, we're a little anxious to nominate him because we're so used to a Duke player being that guy. Uh, I, I think, you know, I think Jordan Wara, I've seen him a couple of times. I think Jordan Wara is fabulous and having a fabulous season. I think Vernon Carey is fabulous and is having a fabulous season. Uh, I haven't seen, you know, some of the guys from the Big Ten and the SEC in person. Uh, you know, what I've seen of them on television. I mean, there's other good players around. Yeah. It's, not just, it's not just Vernon Carey, but Vernon Carey certainly is going to be in all the conversations. He's going to be in the conversation, provided he stays healthy, for ACC Player of the Year, maybe even National Player of the Year. Dan Bonner is joining us on the David Glenn Show, CBS Sports, ACC Network, longtime analyst on college basketball. Virginia Tech was expected by most to finish at or near uh, the bottom of the ACC standings this year. Uh, and it seems like everybody respected Mike Young and his may maybe his ability to turn things around eventually. You know, how do you assess how he has managed to turn things around so quickly, especially with what six of his top nine players are freshmen? And of course, they're all new to him. Well, you know, I think that he did a really good job keeping uh, Landers Nolly and Wabisa Beatty, keeping them in the fold. And then, uh, you know, a guy like that, he doesn't uh, – he, he he's a guy who demands excellence without being overbearing about it. He gives his guys a lot of freedom. I mean, guys like to run up and down and shoot threes. You know, they play very hard. They're very small, obviously, so they rely on the three. And as you watch them play, when the three-point ball's going in the basket, they're pretty good. When the three-pointer isn't going in the basket, they yeah. tend to struggle. That game they played uh, against Syracuse at Syracuse the other day is a perfect example. 
Syracuse had the lead for a lot of the game, and then suddenly Virginia Tech made five of six threes, and now the game totally turns around, and they ended up winning at Syracuse. Uh, and so I think that's the way they're going to play. And, again, there's a team uh, in that four through 15. Uh, and, of course, North Carolina, you mentioned, they do have the win over Oregon. But other than that, Virginia Tech is the one team in that four through 15 that's got a really, really marquee non-conference win, and that's that win against Michigan State. And that's why if they can perform very well in the 4 through 15 bracket in the ACC, then I think they have a real legit shot at the NCAA tournament. I think it's a credit to those kids and obviously a credit to Mike Young, too. It feels like, Dan, most ACC coaches have a guy that they feel like they know they'll get good things out of them almost every night. Coach K seems to have at least two guys, Trey Jones at point guard and Vernon Carey Jr. in the post. What what would you circle when it comes to what the Blue Devils have to do even better than they've done in their 15-2 and two start to go from one of the contenders you know, to maybe the most dangerous team come March Madness? I see they've they got a lot of guys who, who can contribute, and I think that they've got to get a little bit more consistent contributions from some of their guys. You know, Alex O'Connell is somebody who they thought was going to shoot the ball really well, and he hasn't on most occasions. And that's not to say that he's having a bad year, but a little more consistently with the ball going in the basket from him, a little more consistently with the ball going in the basket from Jack White, uh, I think would really help them. But I think Trey Jones, you know what you're going to get night in and night out. I think Vernon Carey Jr., you know what you're going to get night in and night out. And they play a lot of guys. Uh, they got a lot of guys. That, I mean, it was really hurt them that Wendell Moore uh, got injured because he was really starting to come along. Uh, I think, you know, Joey Baker was a guy that has given them, you know, very good play, but he's gotten injured now. And so I think it's just a matter of putting things together for them. But they, they, they still are a work in progress. They've got a great resume to this point. They've got, as I say, uh, Trey, uh, Trey Jones and Vernon uh, uh, Carey Jr., but they, they still have a lot of room to grow. And I think that's one of the exciting things if you're a Blue Devils fan, uh, that they, they, you know, they can get much better. Last thing for you, Dan Bonner joining us on the David Glenn Show. You mentioned that NC State does have a resume builder. They beat Wisconsin, which uh, has a pretty good resume right now and certainly looks like an NCAA tournament team. They just beat Miami convincingly at home last night. Uh, when you think of just room for growth, you know, Wolfpack has not been great defensively, but with C.J. Bryce healthy again, Markel Johnson, senior point guard, D.J. Funderburk down low, it feels like Kevin Keats has a good chance, at least, to get back to the NCAA tournament after missing last year. What would be your, uh, you know, variable that will help separate the better Wolfpack from the one that has dropped a few key games? There's a couple of things I think that you see every night in college basketball, uh, and the first thing, and this is not one of those things you see every night, but it's important that you stay healthy. You just said Steve yeah. Bryce is coming back. Well. You need to keep your guys healthy because since every game counts, if you're going to play 33 games, every game is 133rd, and it doesn't really make any difference to these metrics whether they're conference games or non-conference games. Every game is 133rd, and so every game is important. So you've got to keep your guys healthy. Now, a healthy North Carolina State team has to do what everybody has to do. They can't turn the ball over, and they've, they've got to put the ball in the basket. Uh, what we've seen this year is – uh, teams struggle mightily with the ball in the basket. And North Carolina State's a team. I think they're, you know, they haven't been great defensively, but they've got personnel where they can score 
I think if they can keep pressure on you by putting points on the board, then again, they're another team with a lot of room for growth, but they're in that four through 15 pack and they cannot, as all the teams in there, I don't think you can afford to play 500 ball in the ACC and figure you're going to get a uh, bid to the end and at large bid to the end state tournament. I think you have to distinguish yourself. You have to take a step up. Well put. Dan Bonner, thanks as always for the visit here on the David Glenn Show. We'll be knocking on your door again down the road. Okay, thanks, guys. You got it. Joe Person of the Athletic Carolina will drop by to talk NFL and Carolina Panthers in about 15 minutes. That means more time for your calls on the other side. In college hoops, as we also pick over Zion Williamson, another NBA, Connor McGregor's return to the Octagon, NFL playoffs question of the day, which road underdog has the best chance of winning this weekend and why? Titans at Kansas City getting a little bit more than half of the votes. Packers at San Francisco, not quite as much support. You can chime in on that if you have a strong feeling in either direction at 1-800-849-2761. Last night, the Wolfpack showed why I and others think they're one of those ACC teams outside Duke, Florida State, and Louisville that can join that top three in the NCAA tournament come Selection Sunday. More on what they did to an offensively dangerous Miami team last night at PNC Arena. Florida State took out UVA. Syracuse beat Boston College. Notre Dame beat Georgia Tech. I don't count out the, the Irish or the Orange among others, at least at making a run at an NCAA tournament caliber resume. We all know the ACC, while down this year, is not going to be stuck on three NCAA tournament bits. It's just not going to happen. Now, those of you with the sharpest crystal balls will be able to figure out which teams join the Blue Devils and the Seminoles and the Cardinals. That's the tricky part. But somebody's going to figure it out. And those teams with offensive firepower like NC State, like Syracuse, like Notre Dame. I think they have the ability to put it together. Will they? That's the magic question. But it's not like the ACC does not have candidates beyond their big three to make a run at an NCAA tournament bid. Your phone calls on the other side. Joe Person on the NFL a little bit later this hour. Are you in favor of a total reboot even without Cam Newton? Almost everything else is new for David Tepper, the Carolina Panthers owner. Many of you saying yes to that question. Now that you know the head coach is Matt Rule, now that you know the offensive coordinator is LSU wonderkin Joe Brady, he's putting together his own staff after spending some time under Sean Payton in the New Orleans Saints organization. A lot of folks wondering whether Joe Brady Brady's way, the request for accurate throwers from Drew Brees of the Saints to Joe Burrow of LSU. Is that a great fit for Cam Newton, whose accuracy has been all over the place during his nine seasons with the Panthers? Maybe, maybe not. The Hurricanes are back on the ice tonight. College basketball offers a tasty menu on Saturday and Sunday, including Louisville at Duke in ESPN's College Game Day event. The Major League Baseball Hall of Fame class and... The sign-stealing scandal remains in the headlines. Justin Fuente flirted and interviewed with Baylor, but decided to stay with the Virginia Tech football Hokies. You have questions and comments. 1-800-849-2761 is how you can pose them. NFL, NBA, little hockey, little college hoops, and a little bit on some other things. You can be next at 1-800-849-2761. On Monday night, former LSU star Odell Beckham Jr. was on the field during the 
celebration of the LSU Tigers national championship win over Clemson at the Superdome right there in New Orleans. TV cameras clearly caught OBJ handing out what appeared to be cash to LSU players. Isn't that illegal by NCAA rules? How do those rules work? Does it matter if Joe Burrow had just finished his eligibility? Can he start taking the cash at that moment without LSU getting in trouble? It's not like he's going to play any more games for the Tigers, right? I have some answers. You have more questions. 1-800-849-2761 is how you can join us next on the David Glenn Show. If my low and away curve that barely paints the black so frequently that nobody can hit it, you're going to tell me I got to throw change ups, fastballs, and sliders all the time? Oh, it's too difficult to hit TTG's <laughs> low and away curveball. Wah, 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 wah. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. Lines open for the first time in a long time. Joe Person chimes in from The Athletic Carolina. It's a big weekend in the NFL, of course. Tennessee at Kansas City for the AFC title. Green Bay at San Francisco for the NFC title. I like the Titans' chances as the seven-point road underdogs better than I like the Packers' chances. We'll find out Joe's thoughts about the weekend matchups and also a very interesting time for the Carolina Panthers. Almost everything is new. Lou Keekley has retired. Joe Brady of LSU is the new offensive coordinator. Phil Snow of Baylor is expected to be the new defensive coordinator. Matt Rule is the new head coach. David Tepper is still a relatively new owner. Lou Keekley is out. Cam Newton is questionable because of his foot surgery. Should they just pull the Band-Aid entirely and turn the page on Cam Newton since so many other things are changing? You can chime in on that, chime in on that question of the day. Are you in favor of a total reboot even without Cam Newton? We'll get Joe, who covers the Panthers all day, every day, for the Athletic Carolina to chime in on that as well. The one thing I promised, then your calls, then Joe Person on all things NFL. So on Monday night, LSU beats Clemson for the national championship. Former LSU star Odell Beckham Jr., now a star in the NFL, of course, was on the field during the celebration of the LSU national title over the Clemson Tigers at the Superdome right there in New Orleans. That's all good. Happens all the time. Former players can be credentialed to be on the sidelines or in the locker room. No problems there. TV cameras clearly caught OBJ handing out what appeared to be cash to LSU players. This is at least a matter of some NCAA concern at this point. Yesterday, LSU actually put out a statement saying that the school was investigating and in contact with both the Southeastern Conference and the NCAA, including in the statement they described, the, included in the statement, they described the money as, quote, apparent cash, leaving wiggle room and planting some seed of doubt. Now, if y'all played the same Monopoly game that I played as a kid, most monetary denominations are other colors. So it was not Monopoly money. There was nothing whitish or pinkish or bright greenish out there. I don't even remember. There was a gold bill of some sort in Monopoly as well. This was definitely greenish, and the LSU officials kind of tweaked what they said. Not as much Monopoly money we meant. They, in, they initially suggested that they were, quote, possibly novelty bills. And I have seen some of these that look kind of sort of like cash. But if you just look a little more closely, and remember, this was caught on video, so there was an opportunity to look more closely, you could tell they were not novelty bills. 
At one point, an LSU spokesman actually lied to the media calling the money counterfeit. And that, to me, is way over the top. We live in a world filled with blind partisan hacks. And that is just another great example of exactly that. I'm not sure what the truth is, so I'm just going to lie to you about it. I'm going to claim something was counterfeit, even though I have no idea whether it was or not. That's what that LSU spokesperson did. It's kind of like a parent teaching the kid, hey, if you ever get caught but it's not red-handed, just lie about it. Yeah, what a wonderful lesson to learn. An LSU spokesperson actually took that route. Now, eventually, when something is on video... You can easily be caught in those, with, in those lies. And that's exactly what happened to LSU. And yes, under NCAA rules, it is not okay for Odell Beckham Jr., a booster, right? He played at LSU. He's a multimillionaire NFL star. He is not allowed to. You might think it's a dumb rule, but under NCAA amateurism rules, he is not allowed to just start distributing cash the way he, again, not only did, but was caught on camera doing. And the video is sharp enough that you can tell it's real money, regardless of what the LSU spokesperson said. Those spokespeople are no longer making those bogus claims. Why? Because, among others, cigar-smoking star LSU quarterback Joe Burrow has told a podcast in one case, oh, yeah, that was real money, adding, in his case, that because he is no longer a student-athlete, he's off to the NFL, obviously, he's not worried about any repercussions. So the question, of course, becomes, or one of the many becomes, can a school, can a school still get into trouble? Like LSU's Odell Beckham Jr. has legal issues right now. That was for patting the police officer in the behind, unwanted touching, leading to battery charges. And yes, those were filed. An arrest warrant was filed for OBJ on the locker room padding issue. The NCAA can't do anything to Odell Beckham Jr. He's not under their umbrella. He doesn't work for them. He doesn't ever want to work for them. He doesn't have to answer their phone calls when asked about giving money to LSU players on Monday night. He's off to the NFL, and that's that. But can't the school still get in trouble? The answer is yes. You are in charge of monitoring your boosters, and you are not allowed to have amateur athletes take money. And as strange as this might sound, you can't even have the guys who have graduated accepting money from boosters. Otherwise, if you allowed that, and again, I'm not telling you whether you should like this rule or not. I'm just telling you the way the rules work in the current NCAA model. If the rule only prevented athletes from taking money while they were still eligible, don't you think a lot of boosters and former NBA players and NFL players would be smart enough to just, you know, have like the little bag of cash waiting for them the day they play their last game? If that was really within the rules, it's not. As strange as it might sound, and whether Joe Burrow knows it or not, if he admits taking money from an LSU booster, OBJ or otherwise, even after he's played his last game for the Tigers, yes, he can still get in trouble with the NCAA. Now, what else matters? Long story short, what gets you declared permanently ineligible or what would lead to a win or a season being vacated is much larger amounts of money. If Odell Beckham Jr. is handing out $100 bills or even a small stack of them to you. And he was making it rain right there at the Superdome on Monday night in New Orleans. 
let's say you took $1,000. Let's say Joe Burrow took $500. I mean, OBJ was handed it out so quickly, he probably has no idea how much he gave each player. And only the players might know how much they actually took because to them, most of them, it's probably some pretty big money, $500, $1,000 or whatever. Generally speaking, if you take, you know, 10 grand, 20 grand, 50 grand, and these things have happened, you know, you're permanently ineligible. You're never going to play college athletics again. That part doesn't matter to Joe Burrow, right? But it still matters to LSU because even Joe Burrow was not allowed to take that money the way the rules work. It's not a Joe problem. It's not even an OBJ problem. But it is an LSU problem. And certainly any underclassmen with eligibility remaining doesn't mean they're automatically doomed forever. The way this stuff works, you could give the money back and they're going to give you a little slap on the wrist. Or if you admit taking $1,000 or whatever, and who knows, maybe you spent it that night on Bourbon Street. I don't know. And you can't give it back. There would be a penalty. The school would get in trouble. The player might get a short suspension or whatever. You don't necessarily lose the entirety of your college eligibility for taking $1,000 or $500. It's like kind of a sliding scale. You take 10 grand or 20 grand or more, you're never playing college sports again. You take $100 or whatever, a meal. These things happen all the time. You just tell the NCAA about it. You serve whatever small penalty, and you live happily ever after. So, yes, it is against the rules, even for the guys graduating, even though Odell Beckham Jr. doesn't play there anymore, even though some of them were seniors. It is still against the rules, and that's why LSU, while it's kind of symbolic for the SEC, right, the lioness cheatinest conference since the death of the old Southwest Conference a long time ago. If you ain't cheating, you, don't tr- you ain't trying, right? Symbolic that within essentially 24 hours or so of winning the national championship in college football, LSU is also opening an investigation and is in contact with the Southeastern Conference and the NCAA regarding possible NCAA rules violations. That's how that crazy stuff works. Again, you don't have to like the rules. But that is how it works. And shame on you, LSU, for lying on purpose at the beginning. I mean, come on, man. It was counterfeit. Oh, no, 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 no. It was uh, it was novelty bills. Oh, no, no, it was monopoly money. No, it wasn't. Come on, it happened. When your instinct is always to cover your own tail, when your instinct is always to mislead others on purpose, when your instinct is to claim knowledge you don't have, like it's one thing if you actually thought it was counterfeit. Just flat out making stuff up to cover your tail, to lie on purpose, to mislead the media. I'm not expecting you to cooperate with the media, but you shouldn't tell lies on purpose. At some point, somebody's got to have an instinct. Well, I wonder what the truth is, rather than simply lying out of both corners of your mouth. Congratulations on the national title, LSU. You could be a whole lot better than that when it comes to answering some simple questions about a crazy post-game scene. Joe Person of The Athletic Carolina covers the Panthers all day, every day, and knows the rest of the NFL well as well. Follow him on Twitter, at Joseph Person, and listen to him next on The David Glenn Show. Ruffin McNeil, welcome back. I know we'll always be a huge part of you and your family. You know, this will be my last coaching stop after this. Yeah, maybe join you in a radio show or Amen. do some of that. Yeah. We'll, but, be, we'll uh, be doing some remote shows from your boat in the middle of the Caribbean somewhere <laughs> if I have my way. You're listening to The David Glenn Show.
Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Last call for phone calls a little bit later. We've been all over the place today. College basketball, NFL, college football. Connor McGregor, Zion Williamson, a little baseball. Joining us now, as promised, an outstanding writer for The Athletic Carolina, a wonderful website to which I am also a contributor. He is one of the main folks who's all day, every day at theathletic.com, covering the Panthers of the NFL and the NFL at large. A recent post, what does Joe Brady do with Cam Newton? That and four other critical questions facing the Panthers' new coordinator. He is Joe Person. Follow him on Twitter at Joseph Person. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Probably too late to wish you a happy new year, but there I did it. Amen. I say it's still okay, given that we've known each other for so long and we haven't chatted yet this year. Before we get into the Panthers, and there's about 10 things to get into there, the Titans are at Kansas City. After shocking New England at New England and shocking the Ravens in Baltimore, the Packers are at San Francisco. We do have three more football games, two of them this Sunday. Does any one of those four, Joe, jump out at you as just being the best combination of talent and coaching and depth and health and all the other things that you'd want home field advantage? Or is this just, you know, a guessing game the rest of the way in your eyes? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I love the Tyson story. It seems like, you, you know, the, the NFL has one of those teams every year. They don't always go to the, 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 the Super Bowl, and I don't know that they often get talked about the way we do with Cinderella's and March Madness, but I'm old enough to remember, like, Captain Comeback Jim Harbaugh, yeah. you know, doing his thing in the playoffs. And, and who was it? The Chargers, I think? I can't even remember who he was, who he was coming back with, but yeah, among the teams still in it, you know, I, I, I got to see that the Panthers played the heck, what heck they played three of the four. Uh, they beat the Titans, uh, and they got they, they got their butts handed to them by San Francisco and, and Green Bay. It's probably San Francisco looked the most complete, uh, just talking offense and defense and running game, and you know, playing at home always helps. But you know, I, I thought. That day, the Panthers went out there, and, and that was back when the you know the, the Kyle Allen uh, dream was was still alive. Yeah. It, you know they'd won a four in a row, uh, and and they just got decimated. And I was very impressed with Kyle Shanahan. Like that offense was just doing things that I hadn't seen anyone else do this year. Uh, kind of like the Joe Brady effect at, at LSU, and I know we'll get to that. But, yeah, I, I mean, if, if if I had to pick one, I'd probably roll with the Niners. But, you know, it, it, it should be a fun weekend. Joe Person with us. More of his recent post. After Luke Keekley's retirement, Greg Olson considers his future while continuing to field broadcast offers. And as Panthers' Matt Rule looks for assistance, others who have made the jump stress the importance of NFL familiarity. Before we get to that, I, I know that nobody weeps ever for billionaires, right? But I was intrigued to read that Panthers billionaire owner David Tepper, who is the wealthiest of the wealthy, actually upset many of his fellow owners when he not by hiring Matt Rule from Baylor, but by giving him a deal that is seven years and perhaps worth seventy million dollars. Now that 
upsets the marketplace, right? I mean, that's a that's setting a high bar for a guy who's never been an NFL head coach and has only one year of an ex- as experience of experience as an assistant NFL coach. Uh, did you sense that? I don't know how many owners or others you talked to, but I kind of like David Tepper uh, upsetting the apple cart. I just don't know to what degree he did. Yeah, you know, the, the only the, the only real, and it's not even really an apples-to-apples comparison, but, you know, Mark Davis kind of blew up the, the salary scale a couple of years ago when, when he brought John Gruden back at 10 years and $100 million. Now, I've seen reports that kind of the last, the, the back half of that contract, uh, some of the guaranteed money goes away, but be that as it may, John Gruden has a Super Bowl uh, uh, trophy, a Lombardi trophy, uh, on his resume, and uh, Matt Rule lost to Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. So uh, it, it, it's not uh, uh, not anywhere close to being uh, uh, you know a, a fair comparison, an even comparison. So yeah, I get it, but you know, I, David Tepper, I, I like the fact, like you said, that he is not just going to kind of fall in line. And, and act polite at the dinner yep. table just because he's the new guy at that NFL owner's table. And, you know, he's got a bunch of money. He can't overspend the market with players because of the salary right. cap, but he can. There's no cap on head coaches or assistant coaches or trainers, which he needs, or a salary cap guy, which he needs. Uh, both of those positions uh, and, and gentlemen going with, with Ron Rivera to Washington. So I, the only guy I talked to recently that had a, he talked about this with me, I, I happened to get Jimmy Johnson last week for that story you referenced about uh, college coaches making the jump. Yeah. And I brought, at the end of the, that discussion, I brought up to Jimmy that, uh, the whole Tepper ticking off fellow owners. And he kind of thought that was a manufactured story. You know, he said, look, all these guys, Tepper may have more money than the other owners, but none of them are hurting. And so, like, if they have to pay a little more to, to the next, you know, next hiring cycle next year, you know, I, and I tend to agree with them. And I, I don't even know how, if they are upset and want to present this unified front at the uh, owners' meeting in March. So what's that look like? like I don't, I don't even yeah. know how it would like no. adversely affect David. No, you can't do it. I mean, there, there's, there's nothing that they can do. It's just, I just enjoy. He was the only guy willing to stick his neck out for Eric Reed, and he doesn't have to play by those rules, man. If he has more money, break ground in South Carolina on that facility, right? Build that uh, <laughs> practice uh, option that the Panthers didn't previously have in Charlotte. Build that new stadium at some point uh, down the road in uh, Uptown Charlotte. Joe Person is joining us. That's cool that you talked to Jimmy Johnson. He, of course, jumped from the Miami Hurricanes and did win two Super Bowls with the Cowboys. Barry Switzer left Oklahoma and did win one with the Cowboys. Pete Carroll left Southern Cal and has won one with the the, uh, Seattle Seahawks. But as you know, Joe, it is a much longer list. Steve Spurrier, Nick Saban, Butch Davis, Bobby Petrino, Lou Holtz, Chip Kelly, of guys who were really good in college who face-planted in the NFL. With Matt Rule in mind, you know, what is the consensus? It, what, what's the challenge? Is it 18 to 22-year-olds versus wealthy men with wife and kids? Is it recruiting versus salary cap? What is the hurdle that more have been unable to get over trying to jump to the NFL uh, than the success stories like Jimmy Johnson you just talked to? 
Yeah, it's a great question. I, and I, I think it's, it, I think it's kind of multi-layered. You know, for one thing, a lot of them feel like they can bring their system in and just we're going to do this system. We're going to do the, the the fun and gun offense in Spurrier's case, and in Spurrier's case, we can even bring in old Florida quarterbacks like Danny Werfel and Shane Matthews to try to run it with the Reds. Uh, and then, and, and same with Chip Kelly to agree. And Chip's offense, in fairness, it, it worked uh, the first year, year and a half in Philly. I mean, he was kind of a – he had defensive coordinators having, having to try to play catch-up. Well, they did catch-up. And I don't know that Chip Kelly ever really, you know, kind of adjusted and, and kind of tweaked or, 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 or tailored his scheme to the talent he had around him in Philly kind of just sort of, you know, staying uh, staying true or staying just dedicated to that system. And then the other thing, too, and Jimmy Johnson made this point, and I think it's worth, worth repeating, it's, you know, if, when you're at Alabama or if you're at Southern Cal, in, in Pete Carroll's uh, example, you should roll, be able to roll out and win eight or nine games if you're just based on the talent. In the NFL – there's talent, and, and uh, you know, even on the worst, you know, Miami Dolphins team that we thought was going to, you know, tank for Joe Burrow and ended up winning as many games as the Panthers. There's talent on every team, and yeah. so you've got to you've got to work as hard or, or or harder than the than the coordinators you're you're scheming against. Steve Spurrier, you know, famously would tell you that you know, I don't know if he'd admit it, but. You know, he was used to golfing. Like he, he laugh, would laugh at South Carolina about how Nick Saban never golfed <laughs> in college. Even in South Carolina, until that last year or two, Spurrier didn't have to work a ridiculous, you know, a hundred-hour work week. He could go golf on Fridays or whatever it was. Not with the Redskins, and and that's another thing. I don't think that's going to be a problem with that rule. I mean, everybody you talk to. That this guy is a grinder, and he's going to put in the time. He's been doing it with these interviews. I mean, he—it's not like you know. I think I've heard there's a multi-step process when he's talking to these guys about joining a staff. Uh, now, the system thing—I don't think that's going to be an issue either because it's not even his system. He's more of like an overseer. He's going to let Joe Brady run the offense. He's going to let Bill Snow run the defense. So I don't know that Rule will be stubborn. Now, Joe Brady could potentially yeah. be stubborn about sticking with it, but. That's, uh, that's a long answer. Joe Person on Twitter, at Joseph Person online, The Athletic Carolina. You led me right into my next question, as you often do. Panthers owner David Tepper, I believe, is on the record saying, like, in the ideal world, he gets to chase the Super Bowl with Cam Newton back in a Panthers uniform. Now, ideal is a funny word, of course, but what do we know about Matt Rule's view of Cam Newton? What do we know about Joe Brady's rule uh, or view of Cam Newton? Because as your article recently astutely pointed out, when you come from the Sean Payton New Orleans Saints coaching tree, as Joe Brady does of LSU, you know, Drew Brees is known for quick reads and great accuracy, and those are not exactly in Cam Newton's wheelhouse historically. You know, how are you reading those tea leaves as I feel like I ask you a new version of the Cam Newton Panthers future question every time you visit? And it is the question, right? I mean, and, and, I, and my sense, and I've shared this with you all along, has been that Cam Newton will likely not be a member of the Carolina Panthers next year. 
the events of the past week or eight days have not changed my mind at all. If anything, they sort of reinforced it. Uh, you know, you, I just remember having conversations uh, with folks uh, kind of in, in Cam's camp before Ron Rivera got fired. At, but but I think the writing was the, the the timing of it was the writing was kind of on the wall with Rivera and the whole principle the whole the whole context was there are major changes coming here and if it's really going to be a blank slate uh, you know is that really going to be a fit for Cam would the Panthers want would the next regime want Cam would Cam want to be part of a rebuild I mean. We saw with Luke Keekley this week. Yeah. I mean, I know he made a point to say it had nothing to do with Matt Rule personally, and I don't think it did. I think I think it had his situation, of course, had to uh, had to do with the concussions, had to do with he felt a diminished level of play, but it also had to do with the fact that this team is, by all accounts, is going to get blown up, and Matt Rule gets to start from 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 scratch and build it the way he wants to. Now, I don't know that Cam Newton would want to be a part of that. I mean, if he, if he has other teams interested in him and they you know, are not going, you know, scorched earth kind of thing and starting from ground zero, then why not go replace uh, Philip Rivers in, in, in L.A., which, by the way, I think would be a great fit for Cam off the field. Uh, and, and, you know, name name whatever other NFL city might want a yep. veteran quarterback. But, you know, and, and and then Tepper last week and Matt Rule, I, I didn't think Matt Real, real quick, Joe, go ahead. I'm sorry. Let's, let's, let's jump to the next one. His name is Joe Person. I'm going to direct folks to the Athletic Carolina if you haven't seen it. He has some great just personal anecdotes on Luke Keekley and their interactions over the years as Luke shocked many with his retirement earlier this week at the age of 28. I'm out of time, man. Thanks for the visit. As always, we'll knock on your door again soon. Of course, the NFL playoffs continue. Titans at Kansas City, Packers at San Francisco, both of those games Sunday. Final thoughts and TV picks as we come down the stretch next. Davo Sweeney, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Yeah, How man. are you, man? Good to see you. It's great to How see you. you? I saw that you took your family to Italy. It was unbelievable to go to Rome and to stand at the Coliseum that was built in 80, 80. <laughs> Eight zero. The original Death Valley. You know, literally. This is the David Glenn Show. We are coming down the stretch on today's program. And down the stretch they come. Thanks to Dan Bonner of CBS and Joe Person of The Athletic Carolina for dropping by. TV picks tonight include the Hurricanes at the Blue Jackets, 7 o'clock. John Forsland and friends with the call. College hoops, NBA doubleheader on TNT. Some great women's hoops as well. Florida State and NC State both nationally ranked a 6 o'clock tip in Raleigh. Enjoy the games. We'll see you tomorrow on The David Glenn Show. Mr. President, Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to, to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love the state of North Carolina, love the people in North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.